Welcome. Welcome. First of all, I want to thank um, Isaac and all the people and uh, the decorating teams. Like, we have a lot of good people here, but this morning I want to thank Isaac for that amazing uh, bumper. He texts me all the time. He's like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm like, bro, keep it going. You know what I mean? Like, he makes me look real good. Um, yeah, I picked that. You got it. Perfect um, representation of what I'm going to talk about. And he found that, so big thanks to him. Um, like I said, man, we're, we're very blessed here. It's, it's a blessing for me to get to hang out with you and your whole families. I get to spend time with your kids a lot and um, get to hang out with you every now and again. But this morning, I just want to continue kind of talking about where we came from in this series uh, last with, you know, the hope of Jesus and the gift of hope. And we move forward into no turning back. And just the segue that happens between that for me is this idea of remembering, right? That he is faithful, remembering that he is faithful. And like I said, we talked about, or the last series we talked about how he's, he's hope to the outsiders and he's hope to the rejected and he's hope to the marginalized and the hurting. And if you're anything like me, um, I've walked through those seasons often. Um, even recently, I've walked through some of those seasons not long as seasons, they're shorter ones, but I understand what it feels like to walk through those things and to feel those things. And if you're anything like me, I understand that there's this thing about when we feel weak and how when we feel weak, we can either A, submit to God and show him and give it to him and allow him to speak into those situations and realize that in our weakness, he is made strong, the Bible says. Or we can submit to our own feelings. I feel weak. I feel rejected. I feel lost. I feel hurt. And the enemy will dig into that and, and, and encourage you. That's probably the only time that the enemy will encourage you. He'll encourage you to feel that way. He'll encourage you to be angry and to be depressed and to be all the things that your body and your flesh wants to be and feel hurt. He'll encourage you in that. But the thing I wanna encourage you this morning is to remember his faithfulness that we just sang about. Remember what he's done in our lives. Remember that he loves us. Remember that he's good. And remember that he's able to do the thing that he has given us to do, yes? So today, I just wanna share with you a few stories in the Bible. I'm gonna share with you a little bit of my story. But all in all, I just wanna talk about the goodness of God and how God brought me from that place to this place. And where did my hope come from? And I think with the reality of that is my hope comes from remembering what the Lord has done. In every season, he has been good. And he's brought me from every bad place, every hard trial, every fire, he's brought me out of that and brought me to this place. And all of those things made me the person I am. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But one of the first things that God told me when I came back to him, one of the first things that he downloaded into my spirit was this idea of remembering. And I talk about it a lot, uh, a lot of the places where I go. It was actually the first tattoo I got. Now I got a few, couple of them. But the first one that I got was right here and I put it right there and it was horrible and it hurt a lot. But I got it right there and it says remember. And this idea that I get to remember what God has done in my life. I get to remember the way that he snatched me out of the pit that I was in and put me back on solid ground. And now solid ground looks a lot different 
as the seasons have passed. You know, it's the solid ground of my family. It's a solid ground of, you know, the ministry that I've been blessed with here. It's the solid ground of my, my relationships and all the things that have grown me into the person I am, which we'll talk about. But it's the foundations that have set me in remembering what God has saved me from. We, we're doing communion this morning, and it's just like Isaac said, we get to remember. And that's what he asked his disciples to do, remember the sacrifice that he gave. And it's, that's the idea of where we go. Because once we remember those things, once we remember what all God has done, it gives us strength to walk into the next season. And to the next trial that comes, we go, no, no, no. He was faithful before, and he will be faithful again. So that's one of the first things. The first thing he taught me was, you know, how good is good enough? Because like God's wanting us to continue on that path. But I think the second download that he put into the old zip drive was this idea of remembering. And so that's the kind of the thing that I just want to talk about a lot today. And so where does my hope, where does our hope come from? And for me, like I said, it's, it's every step along the way remembering what God has done. And I think the thing that I also want to talk a little bit about is there's these stake in the ground moments. Like I just said, there, I've talked a lot about mine, and I will, but there are stake in the ground moments in our lives that just change everything. You just stick a stake there. And a lot of the times when I pray for the youth and I pray for everyone, it's like, Lord, let this be a stake in the ground moment. You know, like, you know, the astronauts put it on the moon. Like that was a stake in the ground moment. It's never been done before. Things that you can look back on, but it's very similar in that we can put a stake in the ground and say, no, no, no. I remember that day. I remember when God showed up. I remember when the spirit freed me. I remember when God uh, healed me from those addictions. I remember when he did those things. And so we can put those stakes in the ground and remember what God has done. Because in those moments, we're tempted to forget. We're tempted to forget that he is good. We're tempted to forget that he is faithful. He's good. He's here. He's active. And he is able. He is able to do more than we could ask or think or fathom. There's a passage in Joshua 3 and 4 where it talks about how when the, the Israelites are about to walk into the promised land, they come upon the Jordan River. And ironically, and then yet not ironically at all, the, the Israelites as the fickle people that they were, I bet they looked at that water after they'd just been freed from the Red Sea. They walked to that water and say, oh, here we go. God's doing it again. What are we going to do? We're all going to drown. We're, we're better off in Egypt. Please take us back. You know what I mean? Like we're fickle people. And I think I am the same way. I walk through a lot of things and every step along the way, I was like, God, man, why are we doing this again? Why do I have to learn this, this thing again? And maybe some of you are like me, but hopefully not. I am very stubborn. Uh, hopefully you're not those things. But I know that, the, that when Joshua walked to that place, and I'm sure there was some grumbling in the camp, Joshua brings them all to this place and goes, look at what? The Lord is about to do. Come, come. We're going to see something that he is alive and active and we are his people and he's about to do something. And the reason he knows those things is number one, like we just talked about the Red Sea. He knew that. He's seen that. But there are more stories from before. But this is one passage that I really want to read. And I think this is really, really cool. And I think that this is probably what Joshua was averting to because he was with Moses when he got this word. But anyway, God tells Moses this in Deuteronomy 6, 
and verse 10, it says this. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and when you are full, let's take care, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Imagine a world where God says, hey, I'm gonna take you from where you are. You're in, you're in the deepest, darkest cave on earth and I'm gonna put you into a village where you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is go boop, 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 walk in the front door and it's all yours. Like it has to be God. Like that doesn't happen in real life. Maybe it does. Maybe it happens in some, some people's lives, but it hasn't happened to me. Um, but all I'm saying is, this is who God is, and this is what he is able to do. He's able to drive all the people out of your promised land. He's able to give you all the things that you need before you need it. It was created there. It was already there when they walked through. They have everything they need. The vineyards are already planted. The houses are already there. They're already full. They're fully furnished. This is who God is, and this is what he's able to do. Please don't forget that the next time you go through something. When you're tempted to turn away from the Lord, when you're tempted to fear, when you're tempted to forget who God is, this is, you can look around and see God has given us all of these things, this promised land to live in and to take care of. And the same God who did those things before is able to rescue and work in the same way then and then and then and today. This is what he is able to to do. So the priests, they approached the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant. And as soon as their feet touched the fringe, touched the uh, brink, as the Bible says, the water stands still on both sides, like you can envision for those of you that have seen uh, the Ten Commandments movie, Charles and Heston, and, and you can see the walls that just go up. I envision those things, but you can see that the water is standing and they walk across on dry land. And this is what the Bible says in Joshua 4, verse 8 and verse 9. This is what Joshua tells the people to do. And the people of Israel did not, woo, and the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. So we understand that, I, I never realized this, I've, I, this is one of my favorite stories, and I never really knew this, is that, so Joshua tells these, one from each tribe, hey, take a stone, probably a big one, and they put it in, they take it to camp and they set up a little uh, thing there. I don't know if you would call it an altar, but it was a memorial thing that they've set up and they go there. And they, and they just tells them, hey, like when you look at it, remember what God has done today, right? And then Joshua sets up another one in the middle of the Jordan where the water was and the, where they walked across on dry land, he sets up another little altar, another memorial stones 
And it's the same story in both cases. Hey, when you see those stones, you will remember what God has done. And if you weren't there, it says fathers will tell their children, this is who God is and this is what he has done. And when they go back to camp, it's the same thing. Like, I don't know if it's the same type of issue where, I mean, you know, they're going into the promised land. So they just set up these stones somewhere. They don't put them into the Ark of the Covenant. We know that they don't mass like the, the staff and the books and all the things. But there's an altar there or there's a memorial stones there for remembering. And this is what verse 20 says. And this is what they tell him. Joshua tells them about this. Verse 20. Yes. And those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. That's where their next camp was, I suppose. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So that all the people of the world, because that's, that's the way of it, right? As soon as God does something over here, you spread that word with your kids and those kids spread it with their kids and then their friends and everyone else. And that's the way of the gospel. That's how the gospel gets spread. Because when we know how great our God is and we testify to it, all of a sudden there's faith that grows and you're like, ooh, there's the next thing. And this is who God is. And if he's done it before, he will do it again. So tell the people, tell your kids, tell everyone you meet, this is who God is. When you see those stones, remember that. So today, we have given you stones to write on. And the question for today, I always like to do a one question is, we talked about those stake in the ground moments. What is your stake in the ground moment? What is something that you just wanna write on that stone so that when you're tempted to fear, when you're tempted to forget this thing, I'm gonna remember. We gave you jars last week. I didn't know those two things were gonna intertwine. But we gave you jars, you write those things down at the end and you remember the ways that God has brought us out of these tough seasons, out of these fires. And this is what he ha has the ability to do. And he's done it before and he's gonna do it again. So that all the peoples of the earth may know, the Amplified says it this way, that our God is mighty. You may fear him forever. You can trust him. He is faithful and worthy of our praise forever. He's worthy to be praised. So what are those things that we've, we've walked through? What are those things that we can put a stake in the ground and say, no, this happened and life was never the same. God came in a real way and brought me out of the places that I was. He picked me up out of the pit. He put me back on solid ground. He did that in my life. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. So we have 800 years of stories between Joshua taking his people across the Jordan and Daniel and his three friends being exiled to Babylon. 800 years of stories from generation to generation, stories of God's power, stories of his faithfulness, of his provisions, of the ways that he works. But we also have stories of the times when we've turned away and God gave them over to their enemies. And those are tough times. 
But in those times, it is proven that God is still with them because as soon as the bad king or the good king takes over and they come back and they repent and they tear down all the idols and they do all the things, God comes back in and he's faithful to continue to be God to his people. That's what he does and that's what he's willing to do. So when you turn away, if you're anything like me, these are my testimonies. When I turned back, and looked back towards home when I saw God for who he was and what he wanted to do in my life. He is faithful to come into that room, to come into that moment and say, all right, Aaron, now it's time to go. I got a plan, let's go. If you're willing to go, I'm ready. You know what I mean? So there's 800 years of these stories of God's provision and God's power, and he's done it before and he'll do it again. So what I wanna do is I wanna show you a few of these little Bible stories that are kids' shows on the, uh, some sort of thing. I forget what it's called. I always forget what it's called. But anyway, this is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the image which I have made. If you refuse, you will be cast immediately into the middle of a blazing furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Then heat the furnace to seven times its usual temperature! Take them! Now! Come on! Three men bound into the midst of the fire? Look, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Who is that in there with them? Abednego told the king God could deliver them from the furnace. It must be... Servants of the Most High God, come out and come here! Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They defied my command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. I will not allow any person to say anything against their god. Anyone who does will be dealt with severely. Oh, would you be quiet? 
Truly, there is no other god who can rescue like this. Like I said, that's one of my favorite stories. I love every, I love every bit about it. But this morning, there are three things that I feel like God wants us to know and remember from this story. Number one, our God is able. He's able to, to um, save us out of these places. He has the ability to do those things. But just like the boy said, even if he doesn't, we are going to trust him. Even if he doesn't do the thing that I asked him to do, even if he doesn't answer my prayers the way that I wish he would, even if he doesn't do those things, I'm still going to trust him. I'm still going to do everything, and I'm not going to bow down to whatever the enemy has put in front of me as the good alternative, as the good thing that, well, the, my, the flesh, yeah. So, Lord, I just pray, <laughs> yeah. So let's get us from this point to that point. Let's not look at those things. Let's pray and say, God, whatever it takes, let's get us out of those places and let's take us to the things that you have for us. Because even if you don't answer the prayers in which I wish you would, I have to believe that you are still good. And I have to believe that you have the ability, whether you choose to use it or not, and that your will is complete. And you use all things for your good and for our good whatever that may look like. So the first thing is our God is able. The second thing is that in, just like in the story, he is with us in the midst of the thing that he has asked us to endure. Psalm, Psalm 91, it's one of my favorites too, says this, he will deliver you. He will cover you. His faithfulness is like a shield. It's your protection. You shall not fear. There's no need to fear these circumstances. There's no need to fear the fire. There's no, re no reason to fear the lion's den. There's no reason to fear that because we serve a God who is able to deliver us from all of those things. And it's the same thing in your life. He's able to deliver you from your worst things from your worst addictions, from the things that you can't stand, from the things that you wish were changed. He can deliver you out of those. And he may not deliver you in the way that you think he should, but he'll walk you through it. It's been true in my life, so I have to believe that it's true in yours as well. And the third thing that we need to remember is that the fire has no power over you. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit who is inside of you. It has no power over that. Because as they went into the fire, it says that the hair on their head was not singed. Their cloaks were not burned. They were unharmed. And furthermore, even the smell of fire was not on them. The only power that that flame had over them was the bounds that the man put on them. Put the, those people put on them. So in that instance, the power has no power over you. The fire has no power over you. Only the things that the enemy would try to put on to you. Those things can be burned up. And he'll do it if you submit it to him. Because there's no other God, it says, who is able to rescue in this way. And he's done it before and he'll do it again. That is where our power and our hope can come from. It's remembering who God is 
and his willingness and his ability to do those same things over and over again. That's why I, I pray the crazy prayers, right? You know, like I love it. I love, and it's not about me. Obviously, we can speak about that, but I love praying for people. I, that's my thing, man, because I've seen what God can do. Even when he didn't heal my friend the way I thought he should, I've seen too much to turn back. I've seen too much to doubt and forget who God is. In his word, I've witnessed too many things in his word and all around me. I've seen too much, and I know what he wants to do. So I'll pray those crazy prayers. I'll, I'll intercede for you in every, in every step of the way. I love it. It's my favorite thing because I've seen and I know who God is. So if you're anything like me, this has been true in my life. It's, it's a lot harder to see God moving in real time, right? Now I can look back, you know, in my, in my youth, in my teenage years, like I can look back and see the Lord's provision. Now in the, in the real time, it's a lot harder because we are hurt. We feel all those pains because we're human. But looking back, I can see the Lord's provision through all of those things. So I'm just going to tell you a couple of small stories quickly as we work through this. But these are things that God has done in my life. And these are just true. There's no feelings attached anymore, but it's just true. So growing up, I always felt, again, and I always say it the same way, I always felt like an outsider. I always felt rejected for whatever reason. The enemy felt like that was an easy way to talk to me, and he succeeded in that. I always felt that way. And I never really fit in. I never really had friends. I never was really accepted anywhere. I played sports. I was decent, but I wasn't great. So I tried really hard to be a good person and be a good player and be a good teammate. But when I did anything good, I was a guy that would like glorify himself because I was so low on myself that I had to act a certain way so that you would think that I was something else. But I was not great. But I never really had that acceptance from anyone I didn't feel but the Lord created me with this thing that was not normal um, if you know the history of my family and things like it's not always normal this way but God created me with this eternal optimism that someday something was going to be different someday God would walk me and and I would find something that makes me whole or whatever that is I just had this innate optimism that someday things were going to be different and I have no idea where that comes from but that is what kind of walked me through this every day I would be like I would see all these other guys they'd be hanging out they'd be having a good time and I would just you know sit at my desk and and maybe I would draw, except I wasn't even good at drawing. Or maybe I would tell myself a story, and I'm, I'm not, I'm just being jokey joked. Like, please don't feel sorry for me. We're all good. But these are just things of like, I, I just was myself, and I'm not a alone person. I'm the extrovert. I'm this person that you see that it gets, I just can't wait to be around other people. It's changing a little bit now that I have a family, but it's all true. I love people. I love just being around them. But that wasn't me. I didn't have a lot of people to hang around. But Jesus gave me this optimism. Jesus gave me a mom who would do anything, anything for me. I moved out and she still asked me, now please hear me. I didn't ask for this. I didn't reject it, but I didn't ask for this. My mom continued to make my lunch for work 
after I had already moved out because I didn't have anyone to provide for me or whatever that was. Now, I'm a grown man. I can do that for myself. But the point is, this is what my mom wanted to do for me. She made my lunch and did all. She did everything for me. And my grandfather lived right next door. And he was always there for me. We, I'm sure we both wished that we would have spent more time together. But he was always there. And that's what it is. Between him and Jesus, I know these things are true. We, they both wished we would hang out more. But the knowledge that they're there is the most important thing. In my biggest times of weakness, in my biggest times of trial, my grandfather was right there. And I had people who cared for me. And the common theme is that he provided before the trial. He gave me those things to prepare me for the time when I would need them, right? So the second time my world was falling apart, once again as a teenager, I still had those things. But the Lord also gave me this one thing, like about a year before it happened, the Lord decided that it was time for me to have a real friend, one good friend. He said, yes, you can have one And so I had that guy, and me and him hung out all the time. I would go over to his house. We would do homework, play Mario Kart. It was really fun, him and his brother and his friend. It was great. And these guys were the ones that accepted me and and took me to youth group. And his parents were the ones that would, like, pick me up and take me to church. And, And that's how I found my youth group at the time. And that's, honestly, that is what probably saved my life. I had those people that were at church and at youth group. They took me from the person that was struggling and they they gave me a home, which is ironic because those people were very were, were struggling in their own marriage. I never knew that, but that family was was really struggling. I never saw it, probably because I was so focused on my own pain, but they were struggling. But I never saw that. They never portrayed that onto me. They always loved me. They always took me. They always take care of me. They always did all the things for me. And in fact, I was at their house when my life was turned upside down because he knew what I needed before I walked through that season. He gave me a friend when, uh, when, I, was, when I was in the lowest points. I would just hang out at his house and we would just hang out and just do our things. But I needed that season. I needed that friend because I needed somewhere else to go. And, and my, he was my escape, you know what I mean, just to hang out and play basketball and do all those things. So 25 years later, when this same friend and I are watching his brother walk through cancer and eventually die of that cancer at about the same age that I am now, he has three daughters, I have two, the Lord again is able and, and, and faithful to provide a foundational truth and these foundational things that I can focus on in the midst of my fiery furnace, he gave me these things. Number one, he gave me an amazing wife who backs me up and and builds me up. He gives me a daughter. At that time, I only had Kendall, my oldest. At that point, I had her and I had a family and I had your kids, the youth group, the student ministries, I had them. And I was sharing with somebody after first service, I said, I don't know what it is about me, but it's just the way that it is. But I'm able to quickly be out of necessity probably, walk through these seasons because I have the ability and God also gave this to me to just laser focus, black and white, this is the only thing that matters in this season. It's the only thing. 
Because this idea that my wife and my daughter were depending on me, this idea that these youth group kids were about to walk through COVID and they were depending on me and our team to get them from here to there and to not just let the whole thing go. They were depending on me. So I looked to God in those moments when I was tempted to fear and I was tempted to say, nope, if this is who you are, I don't want no parts of it. In those seasons, I looked at God and said, God, these guys are depending on me, so you're going to have to help me. And guess what? God is faithful to walk me through those seasons. God is faithful to remind me that God is faithful to have me tattoo it on my wrist, to remember the things that he saved me from, remember his faithfulness, remember the times that he's brought me out of these times before, and remember that he's going to do it again. So no matter what it is that I walk through, he has the ability to take me from this place to the next place. And it may not be easy, and I may have to walk through the fire. I may have to be in the fiery furnace. I may have to be in the, the lion's den like these guys in Daniel. I might have to walk through those seasons. But the reality is he saves me out of those things. And those things are not bigger than our God is. But we still had to walk through it, right? So like I said, God chose not to save me from those pains and those hurts and that rejection, and those trials, and those fires, and those storms. He could have. He has protected me from a lot, a lot, and I am not deserving of that. But today, I will continue to thank him for all of those things, because number one, they made me who I am. They put those fires, they put this fire in my heart. They gave me this passion. The knowledge that he saved me from who I was, I get to tell you about it. I've witnessed it, and I get to tell you about it. I get to testify of who God is. So number two, that's my story. My story, my testimony has power to change lives because of what God has done. Because he is glorified in how I walk through things. He is glorified when I am weak, when I am low. He is made strong, and he is glorified. And every step he provided for me, I know that. The third thing is that he provides continuously for us as we walk through those seasons. He was with me. And the Bible says that he is faithful to complete the work that he starts. He starts the work, and he completes it. And he walks us through this path. And he is faithful the whole time. He doesn't say it'll be easy. But I promise you, it will be worth it if you don't lose hope, if you don't lose the focus. So in conclusion, there's a verse in Acts chapter 3, verse 6, where Peter is talking to a lame beggar who is outside of the synagogue of sorts or the city, I forget exactly the place that he was, but the blind, nope, the lame beggar is sitting out there and he's asking for, for money. He's asking for help. And Peter and John tell him this, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. And that might seem strange from what I've been talking about or you may already understand where I'm going, but many times in our lives, silver and gold, we may not have. 
We may not have the things that people are seeking. We may not have the answers that you want. But what what we do have is a story of who God is. And that's something that we can pass down to our children. That's something that I can pass down to your kids every week that I get to talk to them. That's something that I can pass down. And so I might not be the flashy pastor with the full-time ministry and all the things that, you know, people would look at and say, Woo, look at that guy. We should listen to him. No, I have none of those things. And in fact, there's not that much. This is not fake humility. I'm telling you, this is the way that God keeps me in my place. But in reality, there's nothing really special about me outside of Jesus and what he has done. So every time I have an option or an opportunity to do anything, I say, God, you get to be glorified today. You get to be glorified in the work that you did because I can take no credit. God has done this. God took me out of that place and put me here. God saved me from that thing. He saved me from that thing and he brought me out of that fire and that darkness. Why? I don't know. But he's done it before and he'll do it again. And so my dying day, I'm going to continue to testify of who God has been in my life. So I may not have the silver and gold. I may not be that flashy guy. I may not bring a lot to the table. But the one thing I do, I will give to you every, every time. Silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have is a story of who God is and a story of his faithfulness and what God has done in my life. And the same God who did miracles in those guys' lives, saved them from the fiery furnace, saved them from the lion's den, that same God is wanting to do miracles in your life this morning and every step along the way. He's wanting to do those things. It's who he is. It's what he does. And I'm sorry if you have to walk through those fires. But believe me, God is faithful. And you're not walking through these things alone. And he's, he's there with you in the midst of all of those things. So as these guys sing this next song that it's wrecked me for a week or two. So I'm sorry if I'm down here crying my eyes out. But... If God has done something amazing in your life and you just want to give it all to him and worship him and thank him for all he's done, you can come up here and worship with me. If you're struggling and you need prayer, we have prayer teams that will be up here. So all I ask is thank God for what he's done in your life. And if you can't do that, maybe come and get prayer and we can help you find the way through. I don't know. Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. And thank you so much that we are not lost without hope. God, we just give you our lives. We give you our seasons. We give you our fires. And we just ask that you would be faithful to walk us through. God, this morning, we just pray for everyone here, Lord, that they would know that you are good, that you would know that you are faithful. We've we've seen too much. And we won't turn back. You're too good. So Lord, that is my prayer for these guys. Encourage them the way that they encourage me. Allow them to walk in freedom. 
and know that you're good and know that you're faithful. Love you guys.